Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This could get us cancelled, but I hope not. I'm doing it as a mark of respect. Okay. Assalamu alaikum, Paul Wallace. Right. Is that not a Muslim welcome? I have no idea. Oh, right. I did not attempt to learn the language. Oh, how... Yeah. <laughs> how is, culturally <laughs> aware of you. <laughs> Everyone was speaking English to me, so I didn't really... And also... I mean, they've got a completely different alphabet to us, haven't they? Yes, I mean, completely. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a hard language to learn. I was the bat, there for three days, Sam. Hello, would be a nice start. <laughs> um, uh, everyone, welcome to the latest episode of After Checkered Flag. Uh, you might be watching us exclusively on Recast. If you are welcome, uh, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, etc., uh, well, you're late to the game because this episode went live earlier in the week. Uh, as I say, exclusively on Recast, uh, and we're here mainly to discuss. Paul Wallace's adventures in Saudi Arabia, where he acted like a true British tourist, refused to learn the language or any local. <laughs> and eat McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, eat McDonald's. Walk around and say, ah, where's the pub at? Um, but no, as we discussed in our last episode, you went to the Jeddah Grand Prix. I did. Look at you, you jammy dodger. Look at my tan. <laughs> well, I'll be honest, it's not that great. <laughs> oh, no. Let me take off my Apple Watch. Probably because we were spending the whole time inside the Paddock Club. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Like That's pretty much where I spent the entire time. However, these exact shoes did touch the pit lane tarmac, I'll have you know. Well, they did better than that because... <laughs> we're going to get straight into this because okay. I, I feel like some people... Well, I'm not sure how many people have noticed, but... At the end of the episode that we last did, we said we we want to set up like a challenge for ourselves. This yeah. ultimate challenge this year as big F1 fans who are lucky enough to get some pretty incredible access. We're like, right, somebody has to get into a team garage during a Grand Prix session and be caught on camera by <laughs> F1 TV. <laughs> We're like, it's just never going to happen. That is a monumental challenge. The first race that either of us attend. <laughs> what happens, Paul? Well, I ended up in Max and Checo's garage during the beginning of FP3. And obviously there was huge hype around the Red Bull team. And so I saw the television coverage starting. I saw, I literally was behind Max as he was watching his own F1 titles run. And he was like nudging his technician guy and like pointing at himself on the TV. I was like, oh, like there's cameras there. Like, I think I'm going to be on there. And literally, 
at the beginning of FP3, you can see Checo's car and this big white pillar behind the car that was blocking me. So you can see me casually realize that I'm behind the white pillar. So I like move back to check out Checo's car and realize then I am on live Sky Sports TV in the F1 garage, exactly as you challenged. It was hilarious and also an incredible experience. Oh, and challenge over. You completed it. Done. I mean, we are so out of touch with the average F1 fan that we set ourselves this insane, like unthinkable challenge that you just, how is that possible that you've ended up in the championship, well, yeah, the winners from last year, probably yeah, the winners yeah, this yeah. year, team, you're in the garage, it's a live session, and you're on TV. I know, oh. it, it was ridiculous, and even at the time, like, I was pinching myself at actually even being in that position, because all I knew is I had an hour's slot in the paddock with Red Bull, shooting the Built for Athletes rucksack, and they said, head on through, come into the pits, like, we'll go and show you all of the bits and pieces. I saw some stuff that I, I'm not entirely sure whether I'm going to be allowed <laughs> to divulge in this podcast. We're going to get it out of you. Yeah. Um, and then they said, hey, like, like, just hang around in here, put the headphones on, you'll get into the team radio, and Max and Checo will be, su- will be coming through soon. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, looking at the timetable, thinking, oh my God, FP3 is about to start. If I can stay here for the next 10 minutes, and literally, Max cruises through, he's there talking to his team, and I'm like, you are so chilled for what is about to come. Jeddah is such a terrifying circuit to to even think about driving around at top speed. And there he is driving like just another day in the office. <laughs> like it was, it, hey was guys. it was properly cool to see because that behind the scenes that doesn't really get captured through the TV coverage, I cannot describe how relaxed he was. And Checo at the same time, I did get a little bit of a smidge of info that I will divulge in how Checo prepared for this weekend once he got qualifying because that was super interesting. Um but I was stood there and then turned round and the scariest man in all of F1 was stood behind me. I know who you're going to say. Max's dad. Oh. <laughs> Fair. I was going for Helmut Marko. No, I'm terrified no, of him. No, 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 Honestly, um, he was stood behind me and I get the sense that Red Bull aren't scared of Christian Horner or like not... They, they literally all work for Joss Verstappen, I reckon. Yeah. Because if... Things go wrong, which obviously they did. They'll kill people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) After the chicken flag. So I think we. I think before we get into the the weekend or the on track action, just give us give us a lowdown. What was it like? What was Jeddah like? Okay, you want the rundown, the full rundown. I think so. I was there for the first ever race. Yeah. Little chaotic, yeah, on and off track, yeah. It's obviously a few years later now. Yeah, this is your first time there, so give us the full experience. So I was told and got a quick impression from people that had been there in previous years that this was a massive improvement. They had evolved it, they'd learnt lessons from previous years, and they'd ironed out a few of the issues that there had been. And I think overall, the general infrastructure of moving around the track was fairly straightforward. There's a lot of golf buggies. You could get down to the premium hospitality. You could get down to the yacht club. Uh, the grandstands were full on race day on qualifying it filled up right towards it was almost like there were a load of f1 fans there but not necessarily like motorsport fans they weren't there for the supporting races i think the f2 didn't really get too much action the porsche cup didn't even get anyone watching i don't think or i didn't see anyone everyone left to go down to the concerts the concerts were amazing 
the on-track action, the way that everything operated, the pit lane, everything was was super cool. And actually, I spoke to a lot of locals there who were really nervous about the weather because it could have been 35, 36 degrees and, and incredibly hot. And we got light cloud, a little bit of a breeze. So I was there in trousers and a t-shirt for the Sunday. And the majority of people were like, we have got the best weather for it. So overall, the experience was amazing. Paddock Club hospitality, as you know, is just next level, like five, six, seven star. And you can just have unlimited food and drink, no alcohol, of course. Um, But it was one of those experiences that I was kind of like just making sure that I was taking everything in. I was saying yes to everything. So I went down to the pit lane every single day. We went into the F1 village. I just soaked everything up. And the coolest part was... I wasn't staying in the main hotel, but I had a couple of friends that were. So every morning I would head over to their hotel and then get a transfer with them to the track. And they had some of the drivers in the hotel. So in the morning, Carlos Sainz was at breakfast when we were chilling by the pool waiting for our um, transfer to come because obviously everything starts quite late in Saudi. Um, George Russell was just hanging out with his trainer and they were heading back into the gym, back out. And I was like, what is this? Like, this is just crazy. Basically, that- top tip, stay at the Hilton Hotel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> That's is where you want to be for all the action. Or like um, Ocon, the whole Ferrari crew were there, the whole Alpine crew. George Russell was there. Uh, I have no idea where Lewis was staying or where the Red Bull guys were staying. I think I saw somebody else in that hotel got a selfie with Alonso early on, so I guess yeah. Aston Martin were yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. One thing, though, which I don't think comes across on TV, because obviously most of the sessions are at night, you get a glimpse of it during the daytime practice sessions, is actually the beauty of the location when you're looking out to the sea. Yeah. So obviously the the city view, well, is what it is, Mm. but... The sunset oh. over the ocean or yeah. sea. See, I'm bad with my geography, <laughs> but uh, that really doesn't come across. It's a, it's a, it's actually an awesome location. It's the whole place. I got this vibe that because you're right by the sea, it's got like a bit of a Monaco vibe to it. The way that you got the city one side and you got this beautiful ocean, like you said, the sunset. Like everyone was just filming it every single day. It was like you'd never seen the sunset like it before, and then every day it got better because with clouds, obviously, sunsets look better. Um, and and it was just everyone there felt lucky to be there, but also just in awe of the whole spectacle. And let me tell you, these cars with the lack of paint, so like exposed carbon, but with the paint under the lights, just look ridiculous. And it also sound louder this year. I don't really? know, I don't know whether it was because we were kind of in a city, there was more opportunity for the sound to echo off buildings, but they were so loud this year. It might be a street circuit environment, but maybe they're louder. Maybe yeah. they're louder. Any any F1 tech or engineer people, we know that lots of you watch, let us know. Maybe they're so, even more straight pipes. Yeah. <laughs> but they were they were honestly the first session that they went out for FP1. I was like you can't even talk when they're going past. Really? The yeah, same yeah. tone, same... Same same tone, but um, yeah, just, just they seem 11. elevated in terms of the sound. It was it was a, a spectacular weekend and so glad that I did it. And the opportunity was just, yeah, it was very, very cool. In all of the races that you've been lucky enough to attend, where would Ooh. you rank Jeddah as a... As a as a race, as a, as a host. Well, uh, if we're going to recommend people to attend a race each year, you know, this is the race oh, you're going to okay. want to go to. Where would you put Jeddah? So some of the European races, like Monza, we've obviously not experienced Zamvor or Spa, but I can imagine they are just wild because it's just 
so many people. Jeddah obviously doesn't have that many people, but then you saw tens of thousands of people at the concert in the afternoon and in the evening. So I think as an overall encapsulating experience of a little bit of racing, a little bit of just being in an incredible city right by the sea and then having the entertainment of the concert, the F1 fans. And, oh, it's hard. It's Am I going to say it's better than Monaco? Because that's pretty, <gasps> pretty punchy. The Monaco weekend is amazing because it's just one big party. I'm not actually going to let you say that. <laughs> but the on-track action and almost anticipation for something to happen in Jeddah is far greater than Monaco. Well, I have two caveats for that. So firstly... Where would you place it against Abu Dhabi? So the Abu Dhabi races that I've done, the seasons have already been decided. So it's kind of like, other than a massive party and a big fireworks show on a yacht, like there's not that much that I have experienced going on. Whereas in Jeddah, there's there's so much more. It's almost like once the on-track action finishes, there's an after party. And then once there's an after, once the after party's finished, there's another after party. And it was almost like, so on the Sunday, everyone from the track finished the race. There was a huge celebration, loads of fireworks. The drone display was unbelievable. And all of that is kind of part of the track. Everyone moved down to the concert. And I like the concert was like, bigger than I've ever seen in terms of the stage and how many people that were there. It was so lively considering there's like zero alcohol tolerance and things like that. Like they were there for a massive party. And then once that finishes, everyone diverses off into their own little areas and you've got people going onto yachts and people are going into nightclubs and you're like, it was just like, it feels huge... more city center than Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Because Abu Dhabi, the Yasmin is like, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So once it finishes, there is still that there are concerts. There are obviously is the Marina at Abu Dhabi. Yeah. The parties do happen. There is still a scene and a vibe, but you can't sort of literally walk out the track or jump into an Uber and just pop down to mm. a club or a restaurant. I get that. I, I, I think, I think Abu Dhabi, I kind of love the Abu Dhabi Yas Marina setup. Um, and I agree, though, that the on track action is usually dead. So you're sort of attending this amazing venue, and there seems to be a lot of people there, and it's beautiful, but then nothing really happens. However, with Jeddah, here's my concern. Go on. We had two kind of crazy races. The first race ever, insane, most chaotic race I think anyone's ever seen. And then, obviously, the second race, we had the the clash of the DRS yep. um, uh, with Leclerc and Verstappen, that I think expectations maybe are starting to become abnormally mm. high yeah. that race. And, you know, I don't, I, I think this race was, had its intrigue. I mm. think, you know, we obviously had Verstappen coming through the field and would he catch Checo or not, but it wasn't a, it wasn't an all-time great race. You know, the previous two, I think you would put up there as some of the craziest races of the last five years. Yeah. So are we, approaching an Azerbaijan situation, even though Azerbaijan just seems to always deliver, <laughs> um, of like going to Jeddah, be like, oh, we're off to Jeddah. It's mental. Stuff's going to happen. When actually, if you think about it, this wasn't a mental race. Mm. It was, it had its intrigues, but it was not a crazy, crazy race. Yeah, but I think we were going in with the expectation and obviously our hosts who have experienced all of the other races, they were like building up this anticipation. We're going to have a crazy race, safety cars, red flags, like it's all going to happen. And whilst we didn't necessarily get that, the way that I was coming at it from a, an F1 fan is we're still very much in like this discovery phase of the season. This is race two. We have no idea really how cars are going to perform at various tracks. It's the first street circuit, yeah. Uh, that we've had this season. So 
I felt incredibly fortunate to experience the F1 season so early on in the season as things are starting to unfold, as we're starting to see Mercedes potentially shift towards like a B-spec car and we're looking at Ferrari flapping around trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, so I really liked that aspect of okay what are the cars going to do how are they going to perform and we saw some teams obviously qualify incredibly well and then drop off on the race pace and then obviously Red Bull incredibly dominant um but I I kind of felt like the race didn't live up to the hype and what everyone else was expecting um so hopefully now it's going to lower expectations to be like okay like at least we know it still has the potential of proving some great on-track action because it is an absolute mental circuit. So fast. Yeah. It, it looks so fast cool. on camera, but in real life, it just looks... It's so... It's so that's my cool. impression of the yeah. JF1 track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, is, it is a really, really cool setup. And I think a lot of the drivers still talk about the really old heritage circuits, the really fast cornering. This will be that in 10, 15 years' time. After the so give us the behind-the-scenes gossip. That's what I'm here for. What do they call it on TikTok when the the the, uh, the sip of the? Oh, I'm I not mean, you're trying to keep enough. down with the kids. I know. <laughs> they like Sp spill the tea. Spill the tea. I still don't understand that no. expression, but I see it on the talk of the tick. Spill the tea. So, okay. Yeah. What What did you find out? What did you witness? I think the cool we didn't see the coolest story that I heard from the weekend is on the Sunday, I went on the pit lane walk. And that was when I was able to experience the Red Bull pit stop practices. Their first practice, 1.7 seconds. <laughs> Not slow. Not slow. <laughs> um, however, obviously, I was there catching up after qualifying. And obviously, what we saw was Max Verstappen having a problem with his car. Crash out of Q2. Yeah, yeah, Q2. yeah. Um, not crash out, but not crash out, but in flop, terms of yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everyone was super hyped on the Saturday. I spent about an hour or so with the Red Bull guys who are like when you when you meet faces and people behind the brand that over the last two years, whilst we've been championing Lewis and being like, come on, Lewis, Mercedes, and, and wanting them to bring that fight to Red Bull, we've obviously been going, Damn you, Red Bull, Christian <laughs> Hunt, you yeah. Red Bull. But actually, like meeting the guys, seeing how they work and the efforts that they put in obviously everything dictated by Joss Verstappen <laughs> at the back and they're just terrified of upsetting him um, I love that you think he's kind of ruining <laughs> secretly ruining like a Darth, not Darth Vader who is Emperor Palpatine yeah like just I just, everyone, yeah everyone's just scared of upsetting him um, but, <laughs> sorry Joss by the way if you're a big yeah. fan <laughs> but um, they're just like a really and it's always a party in the Red Bull garage like they always have music pumping the energy is literally like you walk down the pit lane and it's dead even up until Mercedes like there's just no atmosphere and then you get closer to Red Bull and you, can just hear, and you get up there and you're like oh yeah like I'm ready to party Still now <laughs> so no no I think as any sports fan you have people you support and people you despise you know <laughs> and the weird thing about Formula One is is it's often driver related rather than team related yeah. like as I say I was a I was a, I mean, I couldn't have been a bigger, bigger Schumacher fan, at which point McLaren were arch nemesis, like evil number one, uh, enemy number one. And then obviously when Schumacher goes, I support Hamilton, who's a mm. McLaren driver. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I couldn't have even <laughs> thought being like, damn you Ferrari. So yeah. 
it's weird, but as a, as, as a, as a sports fan, you're always going to, and it's, it's so, so much passion comes with mm. it. Uh, and you naturally say some things. We were laughing off air, uh, talking about Nico Rosberg. Yeah. Poor old Nico. I mean, <laughs> God, when he was racing, I said some really horrible things about him. He was a nightmare. I've now spent like four or five days with the guy. Like I've met him loads. Like I DM him on Instagram. Like we chat. I said to him the first time I met him, I said, Nico, you have to know. I'm a big Lewis fan. I've always been a big Lewis fan. I have to apologize for that. Like, I'm not going to apologize for it. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah, any any Red Bull employees, <laughs> we don't hate you. <laughs> we just support the people who are fighting against you. Yeah. And that's just the way of sport. So uh, hopefully no one takes it personally <laughs> when we come out saying, Joss Verstappen rules with an iron fist. <laughs> but um, on the Sunday, we got a little bit of an inside scoop that apparently most race weekends, Checo Perez... He's a really relaxed guy, kind of goes in, jumps in the car, does his job, gets out. He knows the tracks. He's not that fussed about studying the data. He's a really relaxed veteran F1 driver, right? Sure. After he qualified P1. Hello. Apparently, since qualifying on pole position, he <laughs> one of the guys walked into his office and he was surrounded in data, track information. He knew from the moment that Max retired out of Q2, he had a massive chance of winning. And he put all of his energy into making sure he knew every single trick in the book to try and win that race. And it was amazing to see. Obviously, he probably resides as a number two most weekends, but he saw the opportunity and he was like, right, give me all of the data. Tell me everything I need to know. And he turned into this absolute F1 boffin and it came through. Well, let me jump in with... Conspiracy Corner Conspiracy Corner Why do not, I feel like not, I could be surfing to that? It's such a great theme tune. Yeah. Um, it's not such a conspiracy as a hope. <laughs> a dream. Yeah. That Sergio Perez is going to save this season. And actually, talking about Nico Rosberg, it's the perfect segue. Because I felt like last year, at the start of the season, when obviously there was a bit more of a level playing field at Red Bull, as both drivers figured out the new cars, I think Sergio got a taste of, actually, maybe I don't have to be the number two driver, mm. or maybe there's an opportunity for me here to be a bit more competitive than I thought I was going to be. Because I think he came out and said it when he signed the contract. I think everyone was aware he was taking that number two role with a lot, like totally unfussed. Yeah. I'm old enough. I'm experienced enough. I'm coming here. I realize I might pick up a few wins, get a few pole positions. It's going to be a super nice end to my career. Um, happy days. But I think he got a taste of, hold on a sec. There could be a championship here. Like if Max is going to suddenly start faltering and then obviously the car starts to uh, work towards Max or Max starts to figure out the car uh, and Sergio's have tailed off a little bit. But I wonder if this year, or at least in the off season, because we spoke about it in our preseason chat, yeah. that, you know, he was coming out saying, this is my year. This is it. I focused myself. Maybe he's going full ball. Maybe he spent the whole of the off season applying himself in a way that he's never been applying himself. You said you noticed it behind the scenes. Um, and maybe we're going to see this super focused Sergio who's like, I'm going to take the fight to Max. Now, in Bahrain, the suggestion was there wasn't going to be a fight to be had because he finished however many seconds off Max and it didn't look like he was ever going to threaten him. But oh, how do you read the result? Because obviously he, yes, managed to hold off Max, but Max did have to start from 15th. If Max had qualified on pole or on P2, mm. are we assuming he would have just romped away with it? 
I Probably, guess. if Alonso managed to get... If, if, if Max did what Alonso did going into the turn one, the chances are Perez wouldn't have had the opportunity to get back at him. But, but... We won't know, and, and we won't know until we see them again, I guess, lining up. But yeah. as I say, it, it's not a conspiracy. It's just a thought, and it's a hope, and it's a it, desire. It's, yeah, I think that's that's the best way to put it, because I think, you know, we've heard this phrase in F1, especially during 2021, the gloves are off. <laughs> Whoa. You know, like, you imagine ripping boxing gloves off and getting ready for a big fist fight. I actually think both Max and Perez have been very... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daintily undoing their buttons behind the scenes, not buttons, laces or whatever you Not do laces, to, just gloves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly and silently. Really exotic gloves if you've got laces on them. <laughs> no, you know, like boxing what? gloves. You do them up with laces oh, down sorry, here. Oh, boxing gloves. Yeah, yes, yeah, okay. Yeah. I was thinking of racing gloves. No, 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 no. They're, Hard to drive a Formula One car with boxing gloves on. <laughs> no, no, no. These, sure. guys, these guys are silently going into battle. They, I don't think they like each other. I don't think they spend too much time together. Um, and I think you saw at the end of this race the cracks are starting to show. And the moment that happens within a team, Max is all out for himself. I think Checo still feels like he's owed something from Max. Double time, like last year. Well, I'm going to say, don't forget, yeah. that things ended pretty sourly at the end of last year. Yeah, and it kind of rolled into the off-season as well with little Twitter spats. And I think Max's mum got involved. Yeah, like, super aggressive and yeah. bizarre. So I just kind of feel like Checo feels like he he oh, he he he's owed something from Max and maybe from the team, um, and obviously Max is out for himself and he is just this robotic winning machine that won't accept anything else. So I think we are going to see if we can't see a team versus team battle and Red Bull are going to romp away with it. We've got to hope, as you say, for a Checo versus Verstappen. Um, 
fight to the death. There was an air of Vettel Weber in mm. that post-race cool-down room when they were talking about fastest lap and Sergio believed that they were being held to a lap time by the team when actually Max just romped away and stole but that he, he completely ignored the team order. Yeah, yeah, and is now, now leading the championship by yeah, one point. Yeah. And that is Max being a genius. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that's why he's already double world champion, about to become a three-time world yeah. champion, because he's clever enough to realise what's going on and just go, F you all. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's what we as Hamilton fans have lambasted him for, because sometimes it's just too aggressive and cutthroat, mm. but it's, it, it's what makes him who he is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was definitely an air of tension, but a slight air of Max being like, whatever, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need the fast lap. Yeah. Like, sorry for you. It's and almost, being yeah. a bit like, Max, like what? Come yeah, on. Yeah. So it's going to have to get ugly for it to get good. Mm. And I think it could, because I think Sergio, at the end of last year, went, right, well, fine. You know, if you're, if you're going to be that much of a douchebag, Max, and not yeah, going to be yeah, that yeah. my third place, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to come at you. Yeah, well, oh, I'm just not going to help you. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, if yeah. you're out for yourself, I'm out for myself. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, That's how it should be. Yeah, the car's quick enough and fast enough that we don't, we're not some development war. Yeah. We're not some development war. We're not going to lose the championship here. Mm. So I would just do my own thing. Mm. I'm not going to share data. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to give you slipstream. I'm not going to do it. Sort yourself out, man. Yeah. Which, you know, that could make it a little bit spicy. Let's, let's hope it does. So yeah, not a conspiracy, but fingers crossed. A reality. After the flag. So, should we talk about, I guess, could it be a sad story or a dramatic story, which was behind the scenes? And I don't know if you caught wind of. Obviously, the biggest breakup in Formula One history. Go on. Lewis Hamilton and Angela Cullen. What is going on here? Mm. So, obviously, if you, I mean, if you don't know. I say, obviously, if you don't know, that makes no sense. <laughs> if you don't know, Lewis and Angela. Angela's what his... Everything. Everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. trying life assistant. life coach. Literally, like, we have Siri on our watches. He has Angela. Yeah, yeah. She just runs alongside him throughout life. I mean, they have been, they've got matching tattoos. Started they as a linked. physiotherapist, right? Yeah, like yeah. a trainer like most drivers have. And yeah. they seem to just be completely plutonically in love. Um, <laughs> and out of nowhere, and I did see, to be fair, another podcast talk about this, race two of the year they announced that they're going their own way mm. now that screams to me that something strange has happened because based on the seven years or so that they've been working together the closeness the amount they talk about each other that decision does not come after two races of a year but also as an immediate effect as a, yeah because it, it literally was here's the post I was fully expecting them to kind of, I don't know. At the end of the year, and yeah, or in the summer. Yeah. Or, yeah, because obviously we had no idea that everything was going, whatever was going on in Bahrain. And like we've all been come, uh, losing all of my words this morning. We've become accustomed to seeing them together, like riding scooters together and the amount of times that- Or he riding a scooter, her running alongside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it was only really until- I saw Lewis make his way onto the grid and he was scooted, scooting around and his helmet was already at the car, his gloves were already at the car and he kind of had to do everything himself. I was like, oh no, I'm filming something and this is, doesn't feel right. Something like, strange. Where's Angela? And that was when I first clocked that it was with an immediate effect and, he, and she had gotten. Um, God knows what's been going on behind the scenes because 
for whatever reason, Mercedes came out and was like, oh, we'll support Lewis with his with his decision. So like they put it on him far more than his post suggested because he was just like, want to wish her all of the best. Like kind of felt like a bit more of a mutual decision. Then Mercedes almost throw him under the bus yeah, to totally. be like, yeah, it was his decision. We'll have to support him because he's our driver. But Angela, bye. Yeah, like, no, it's just weird. Super strange. And uh, look, uh, you know, we're, we're, this is all just us conjecture i guess is the right word but we're just you know we're making up mm. theories here um this should be conspiracy corner really. um, <laughs> good use but, of the theme tune yeah. <laughs> i could bring it back um <laughs> but maybe at the end of last year she said lewis i want out maybe she said look i'm uh, seven years it's enough yeah you know we've done as much i gotta go because she's got things. a family she's easily, got a husband like, yeah. kids and yeah she's away what probably 350 days of the year easily yeah and maybe she said look please please just do the first race of the year We'll find out how the car is, you know, because if, if it's a championship winning car, I want you with me. Yeah. And maybe that's it. Yeah. And, and maybe they did the first race. She's like, look, you're in yeah. trouble, mate. I need out. Yeah. And he went fine. So, so that that could be the simple explanation. But yeah, the, the dramaticness of it, the slight mixed messaging, Toto as well said some things that kind of went against some of the, po- like it didn't all quite add up. It was almost so, like they hadn't figured out their, their PR. Yeah. They hadn't figured out what they were going to say. And I don't think she has officially come out and said anything, has she? Mm, maybe I don't not. follow her. We can have a good no. on Instagram. But yeah, it, it just all smelled a little strange. Um, a little bit like actually what Mercedes are going on about at the moment with Toto and a couple of like the head engineers coming out and talking about this this B-spec car. And I think Toto's even said, like, even if it looks like a Red Bull, I don't care as long as it's fast. Have you seen that? So hold on a sec. Oh, you're just looking. I was, yeah. Okay, so she did do a post. Okay. Exactly seven years ago on this day, I was standing in the F1 paddock for the first time at the Australian Grand Prix. Today I'm excited to share I'm off on my next adventure. I'm so grateful and blessed to have had this incredible journey in F1 and I know my story will continue. Thanks to the Mercedes-Benz team who have been my family for the past seven years. And Lewis Hamilton, you goat. Bit rude calling him a goat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> jokes. Uh, it's been such an honor and pleasure to stand alongside you, and I'm so proud of you and everything you've achieved. Thank you for supporting me, believing in me, and showing me the limitless potential we all have within us. And paying me millions. I'm so excited to watch <laughs> the next chapter for you. There's nothing you can't do. Don't stop believing. Life's journey. Live. Like your life's journey is one big wave. But she spelled it lives journey. Mm. Sorry, Angela. Uh, <laughs> keep riding. Dream big, and dreams do come true forever. By your side, still we rise. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they both sung from the same hymn sheet, I think, for those posts. And she's done a follow-up, like, it's race day, best of luck. Like, But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just being I like... W- I wonder if in 10, 15 years' time, I, I can't imagine it will come from Lewis. It will probably come once he's retired and he's going off and done his own thing. Like, Angela will pop up on a podcast and do, like, a real reveal all <laughs> what it was like to be Lewis's PA for yeah. seven years. Oh, God, exactly. And we'll actually find out exactly what happens. Or we'll get one of these movies that all of the Hollywood production companies seem to be doing and we'll get a, a movie on Lewis's life and, and find out exactly what happened. Did you see the Senna Netflix series to Scott Greenlit? Oh, did it? Yeah, six-part series about Senna. Oh, see. Dramatisation. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it will probably be a bit simple. I guess my bigger question or query is, is this the start of the end mm. for Lewis? Mm. Um, look, the man's been in Formula 1 longer than seven years and, and existed <laughs> pre-Angela and won a championship pre-Angela. So uh, I don't think this is the be-all and end-all, but... Um, 
at some point, a bit like with The Last Dance, mm. um, Michael Jordan's story, <laughs> uh, Mercedes have to make changes. You yeah, know, yeah. Toto, I don't think maybe he want, will want to see through to a George Russell championship. But look, uncompetitiveness will lead to changes. And uh, I think we spoke about it. How long does Lewis's motivation stay? Outwardly, he's given in all the chat. But I, I, I post-race, th- he seemed a bit depressed. I think, I, I think all weekend... It was it was it was post practice. It was post qualifying. And the thing is, with when you're actually there at the at the race on the race weekend, you can't commit because there's everything going on in and amongst. When when FP two finishes, there's always more on track action. Whereas when you're watching it at home, like you're able to consume everything after. So I was going back later. Pick up on the stories. Yeah, I was like trying to go through social media to like get all of the information that I would normally get if I wasn't at the race. And it was much harder. But the one thing that I picked up straight away is, is Lewis is not happy in that car. I think his mentality of always having an incredibly competitive car this is such a step back for him psychologically to connect with a car that just drives so different to probably what he's used to. Whereas you look at George Russell, who's young, he's obviously a little bit more moldable, uh, but at the same time, like he's still probably driving a better car than he was when he was at Williams. So he's probably driving a more improved, better driving car that he's able to kind of manipulate his own skills to kind of become more at one with the Mercedes. Whereas Lewis is massively feeling like he's taking step backs with the car. He's getting P5s and P7s and it's not where he is used to be. So I think maybe George is just having a bit more fun in the car and he's definitely getting better results. And I don't know, maybe maybe Lewis is kind of realising he's a little bit older and... Yeah, I'll fight you on it slightly. I think, I think, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think that's a viable excuse. I think, I think, of course, Lewis has been dominant for eight years mm. or was seven years or yeah. however long he was, you know, in a car that fundamentally every single race could win, mm. you know, and of course you would have got used to that. And as we've spoken many times before on After Took a Flag, that symbiosis of car and driver is when a driver becomes elite. And we're seeing that with Max at Red Bull. We saw it with Vettel at Red Bull during his era. But how quickly that can change mm. when something fundamental in the car changes because that driver's style, that finesse, that ability has to be re-engineered. Or we've got, and it can be a bit of a misstep sometimes. And we saw it massively with Ricardo at McLaren. But yeah, Vettel, when the blown diffuser era ended, um, Button was a sort of on and off driver when the car was on song. He was brilliant, but when it wasn't, he wasn't quite there. So uh, there have been plenty of drivers where you can kind of link up, uh, yeah, uh, them to a car. Alonso is a flip reverse is someone that seems to be able to literally pick up any car and just drag it three places (laughs) higher than it should be. And I would say, of course I would as a Hamilton fan, that he has that ability too. And it's so easy to get caught up in the Mercedes dominance that we've witnessed with Hamilton. But let's not forget he moved to that team when they were a midfield team. Mm. Uh, He had tough years at McLaren. Uh, 2009 is the easy, obvious one to tell, but also uh, unreliability and also not necessarily always a Grand Prix winning car between 2010, 11, 12, etc. So he is a guy that should be able to, as a seven-time world champion, jump into any car 
and after a certain amount of races, figure it out. Yeah. And last year, I think we saw that. You know, supposedly we got this narrative that he was developing the car more than George. He was trying all these different setups. He was trying to get to the root of the cause. And by the midpoint of the season, he sort of worked out how to get the max in the car. And we saw a very competitive Lewis. He nearly got some victories. He was right up there. I think for the second half of the year, he was, yeah, scoring more points than a lot. So, you know, so we saw that. But coming into this year, I think, or I assume, it's a mind game. Just as a fan, body language, watching Lewis since his first season, all these kind of things. I think he's just like, oh, for frick's sake. You yeah. know, they stole that championship away from me. I'm here to try and win it back. I went through the most boring, most frustrating year last year where we were just trying to get some kind of victory with the promise that 2023 was going to be it. We we're going to be back at the top. I was going to get my championship. I can get the hell out of here. When actually he's like, oh, here again. Here we go again. And meanwhile, you've got George Russell, who I don't think we can take away, has just got pure ability. Mm. Like it's, I don't think it's the fact that he's used to driving a worse car and he's now in a bad Mercedes. He's like, oh, well, it's same as a bad Williams. This is a bad Mercedes. So I'm just, I'm quick. I think the guy's just absolutely rapido. Oh, 100%. And over a qualifying lap, it's impossible, unfathomable to think that uh, however old Russell is and however old Hamilton is, that they can qualify together. So I think Russell will regularly out-qualify Hamilton. Mm. But I think race craft, uh, season-long battles, mentality, or something, which is what we're seeing with Alonso at 82 years old, <laughs> you know, that's what can, can still get you championship points and race victories. Um, even though last year, when there was an opportunity for victory, it was Russell who got it. Yeah. So I think there's an element of Hamilton being a bit like, oh, this, this damn young kid who's just getting the maximum out of the car, good on him. Meanwhile, I've got to change all my style. I've got to change what I'm used to. I've got a car that's not very competitive. What am I like? I yeah. think there's that. And if they somehow get this B-spec car, things turn up, will we see a more enthusiastic, motivated and faster Lewis? Potentially. And that's just where he's at in his career. I don't blame the guy. He's been around long enough. He's not sitting there going, oh God, I'm so excited to fight for eighth place. He's probably <laughs> thinking, oh, I just yeah, get this yeah, freaking yeah. thing home yeah, so we yeah. can move on. Where Russell, you're right, you hear him even at qualifying P4. He's like, wow, yeah, 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 yeah. P4. And you're like, come on. Well, Lewis would be like, yeah, great. Yeah. So, um, it, yeah, it, it's it's a tough watch, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to give Russell that easy escape road or, or, you know, Lewis that easy escape that George is just used to driving a worse car. I think George is doing a better job. Yeah. You know, all round. So we'll see. Okay, to wrap things up, let's just run through the order and see where the other stories were. Obviously, yes, yeah, Sergio with his victory, we've touched on the hope for that. Verstappen doing an incredible job to get just within five seconds by the end of the race. Alonso, I mean, proof that Aston Martin have the pace. I saw him on the front row. I was like, he's going to lead into the first corner, 100%. Do you want to hear a slight confession from me? Uh, I've, uh, been, I've been looking at Aston Martin's no, auto trader. No, you have not. I have. Just because of the Alonso effect. Yeah. Not necessarily Alonso. It's, Ast it's just seeing Aston Martin. I agree. I'm like, I love and Aston Martin. And also, Aston Martin for sure straight pipe the DBX 707 and the, and the Vantage safety car because they sound so good. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can see the attraction. No, no OPF filters on yeah, those cars. Yeah. But yeah, Alonso confirming that at the minute he seems to be the best of the rest, and I think yeah, we're going to see. But that was a bit. That was a bit of a mess and kind of frustrating to see the the sort of post race decision making from oh, the airport. It was so. I even forgot about it. it yeah, was such a mess. yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was actually really exciting? I know that Red Bull kind of ran away with it again, and it was it was great to see Perez get P one and see the uh, elation from him. But it was when 
George and Alonso were fighting for that five second gap to see whether Alonso would actually make it and pull that distance. And that was probably the most entertaining part of the race, even though it wasn't actually wheel to wheel, it wasn't on track action, but it was still super exciting to see the difference in sector times to see whether George could pull that gap within five seconds or whether Alonso could pull away from it. It just shows how much strategy management is going on with those guys. It's just kind of like bring the car home at a certain point of the race, but they've always got so much time in those in those cars or brain capacity yeah yeah exactly they're cruising they're literally an autopilot for most of the race but you're right to touch on the fia disaster and mess and this continues and this Mm, mm. bloody common theme with considering this is the pinnacle of most oh but it's been happening for 50 years i just can't (laughs) get their act together like it was embarrassing that it was embarrassing it made no sense and we've said with all these new in inverted commas uh fans coming to F1 off the back of Drive to Survive and pu- and good publicity, etc. They would look at that and be like, what? yeah, What's going on? Right? What? It's so hard yeah. to follow. Like, so, the, I'm just the rules and interpretations, even the fact that Alonso got that penalty for doing that was so different to the way that Ocon got his penalty. And I was sat there watching with Ollie Webb, a great person to watch a race with because he's got that insight and he knows. He knew straight away that when Alonso served the penalty under the safety car that he's not allowed to do that because it's fundamentally basically free time. Um, so he knew that there was like a penalty coming, but really because literally the jack engages, they didn't even lift up the car. They didn't start working on the car. No, I know. Yeah. It was such a, uh, fine. Like you've got to be a real, like, well, they've touched the car. Yeah. That's an additional penalty. Yeah. I even thought the initial penalty for being outside the box. Yeah. What is the advantage there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the gained advantage? That I'd be interested by. Like, obviously, I realise you have to line up the, the, in the in the pit box and Ocon made the same mistake. I get it. And they've really tightened up on this. And weird that they've not only tightened up on it, but people are making the mistake. But explain to the viewer mm. what is the perceived advantage of starting further left. Exactly, yeah. Um, but then on top of that, yeah, this huge, like, race-altering penalty for the rear jack being engaged okay it's it's going to make the pit stop after shorter Mm. because the jack's already engaged so but 10 seconds (laughs) wow so i i just think we're never going to get to the bottom of this or the end of this because it just will continue but they should just do what football has a yellow and a red card you make a mistake yellow card you make two mistakes red card keep it simple but also the back and forth. That's what's so bad. Mm. They had the whole race to implement that <laughs> yeah. penalty. The whole race. And, and the whole podium. And like, the whole like podium. They literally gave him the gave him the trophy, did the champagne spray. Whilst in the background, they're probably like, he's not even getting that. Like, it's kind of bizarre. Which actually smells to me of someone running over to them, <laughs> Mercedes, and saying, mm. by the way, did you notice that the rear jack was engaged? Yeah. And actually, I think we yeah. should have that. Pettiness. Podium, but F, mad. F, F1 pettiness. F1 pettiness. Ferrari, I mean, that's a whole other future episode of they're just falling apart. Um, and for those just, recast viewers, I'm removing the Ferrari cap because I did say that I'm putting this in and this means that Ferrari are going to win a world championship. We thought it was a good luck symbol, but it's clearly not. Maybe, maybe that will help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna, I don't want to talk about it too much now No, because we've got to wait and see how the cookies crumble. But to me... Ferrari are in a far worse yeah, place yeah, than Mercedes. Yeah. How long are we going to wait for that cookie to crumble? Yeah. <laughs> well, at least to like, you know, yeah. Barcelona. Uh, Alpine having a much stronger race. Yeah, they look good. They, they look fast. Look, well, did they? Well. They looked better. Well. K-Mag, solid with yeah. ass. 
And then I just don't feel like there's a lot to talk about. I mean, McLaren, how much more do we want to just discuss the disaster that is McLaren? Mm. I mean, Lando in a, in Norris, a way, get out look, of there. Get out of there, Oh, Lando. yeah, 100%. Run. Replace we, Perez. We like McLaren here. We love McLaren. Um, and, we, and we want to see them We want to see them higher up the grid. But at the same time, there's, there's an air of sweetness in the way that the Netflix Drive to Survive showed the Piastri situation and how smug yeah, you mentioned Zach this. Brown was. It's an air of sweetness around like how, how bad they're doing and how like... But Piastri had a much stronger weekend. Much stronger yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. Solid qualifying, start to show a bit of his potential and then an incredible run on the hard tyres. Mm. Like, I think it was a good a good race from Piastri. Mm. Super unfortunate and unlucky with his front wing damage. Yeah. Um, and even more unfortunate that his front wing damage caused Lando <laughs> Norris' damage. But yeah, okay, more, more to come on the disaster that is McLaren and the apparent disaster that is Ferrari. I think our next episode actually will probably follow Australia Australia. so we'll have more to talk about but if not there'll be an episode at some point between races where we can really get into that but for now we're going to wrap up this latest episode of after Second flag uh getting all of paul's inside stories from Jeddah. i think maybe the next race either of us are going attending will be into the european season so yeah probably now we'll be catching up uh for I'm not TV getting on viewers. that plane to australia i would love to <laughs> if there's an invite i'll be there my <laughs> wife won't be happy but gotta do what i gotta do <laughs> uh if you've listened to us uh anywhere and you want to check out uh, our faces uh, and view us. You can do that exclusively over on recast.tv forward slash behind the glass. You'll also get access to these episodes earlier in the week, closer to races uh, and hear all of our chat, maybe a little bit more up to date. So go and check that out. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back with you in, yeah, in a couple of weeks time, probably just after the Australian Grand Prix for our next episode. If you want to follow Paul in the meantime, he's at Wallace PJW on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms and we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. 